Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good, good, good friend, J.W. Crewall. Mr. Crewall, how are you doing today? I got three goods today. That's nice. Yeah, a little upgrade. That definitely, definitely lifted my spirits for sure. <laughs> I, uh, I have been getting blasted by uh, my homework. You know, I'm doing this coding thing, and I was just telling you before the cast, just like, looking at a computer screen for doing work for 12 hours. And then I did a little bit of tutoring um, for another hour. And yeah, I'm, I'm fried. My brain is fried. <laughs> I'm like working through these problem sets at like a snail's pace. Oh no. It's, it's absurd. It's absurd how slowly some of these, uh, some of these problems are going, but it's just about understanding the material. I feel like I clicked uh, somewhere around seven where I was like, Oh, that's <laughs> what they meant. Nice. Uh, and so hopefully yeah. I can, uh, hopefully I can parlay that into, you know, a little bit more success over the next few days, but, uh, it's been tough. And, uh, that's why I haven't been putting out a lot of, you know, content not no YouTube videos this week. So it's been, yeah. um, you know, it's been taking up all of my brain power. So do you feel like you're, you know, you're taking it in that you're, you're learning well? I definitely do. Uh, it's just, it's coming slower to me than my peers. So I have to like keep reminding my, well, I think there are some of the, some of the people in my class are, have like taken coding before mm -hmm. uh, or have at least, you know, been, been involved in the world for, you know, an extended period of time, a few years, <laughs> maybe not on a professional level, but at least on like a hobbyist level. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I just have to keep reminding myself like, okay, you know, there's probably going to be something that I can conceptualize maybe a little bit better than they can in the future. Or if that's not the case, like, you know, I, I I'm, I'm doing the best that I can and I am seeing progress. So yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, it should, it should come eventually. So how have you been Riley? I've been well, it's been, been another busy week of, of work here on my end as well, but, um, you know, I kind of hit my stride lately, so I'm feeling pretty good. Um, also in the depths of a book right now. So I'm trying this year to read a book every month is one of my resolutions. So um, I started it last weekend. I'm almost done. Um, What's the book? It's called um, The Way of Kings. It's by Brandon Sanderson. <gasps> my um, wife enjoys that series. Yeah, so it's super good. Uh, my friend recommended it to me. Um, yeah. It's a thousand page tome. I started it last weekend. And I'm ah. 700 pages in now at this point. Um, yes. So almost there. I'm probably going to be done this weekend. Okay, okay. I'm excited that you said that. She <laughs> would be very happy. Yeah, I read the Mistborn series last year. That was really good. Um, the author is really good at creating these um, like fantasy sci-fi worlds. So Sure. I really enjoy it. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> but... Speaking of fantasy worlds, we have our own that we like to enjoy, and that's the world of Pokemon. Um, for the uninformed, the Players' Cup is just on the horizon, the qualification period for Players' Cup 3. Um, in case It is what, later this week, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it starts on Friday, right? Mm, the 24th, I thought, but maybe... maybe oh, well, the 24th isn't I, this Let week. me make sure that... I'll, I'll do the research, I'll do the research. Okay, yeah, I... The 24th is like the Sunday, which is the start of a week. But regardless, um, the 
the key though is that the qualification period is going to last for a month here and the the way that you qualify is that you use tournament keys and special tcgo events so you have 50 tournament keys to work with and depending on your placement in a best of best of one eight man pod um, you'll get certain amount of points so you'll get 10 points for a first eight points for or am i messing that up is it five it's five it's five it's three five. yeah 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 five yeah, for five, a first three for a second and one for a top four and then zero if you just lose um so <laughs> that's right <laughs> i mean that's, that's right. what it and, and just to just to clarify it is january 26th okay so, so we both got it wrong am pacific so uh yeah little little less than a week and so um yeah we're just we're just getting ready we're here to help you guys out try to make some deck decisions and um uh just get you in the right mindset for the players cup absolutely absolutely so jw and i were talking for the cast we compiled a list of six of what we consider to be the top decks in the metagame right now hopefully there aren't too many surprises in terms of the decks themselves we wanted to outline just some of our thoughts on each of these decks individually um, some pros of playing the deck, some cons maybe of playing the deck, um, thoughts about builds, and this list is mostly ordered. I think you can pretty easily argue for like some of the individual placements, but generally as we go down, we consider it to be a better deck than the ones preceding it. Um, so we'll start with number six here, and that's going to be Colossal VMAX. Colossal, everyone was excited for this card, really made waves in Japan, um, utilizing Macargo, which unfortunately... It's rotated here in the states um, but still a pretty effective deck it accelerates to itself which is obviously a boon in a very energy denial heavy metagame and it hits for that fighting type weakness which is ever useful especially when you consider some decks that we have later on in our list here today so jw run us through some of your preliminary thoughts on colossal yeah colossal kind of slots in at that uh fighting just fighting type deck you know Colossal and Excadrill are probably the two that best exemplify that in this format. Uh, but Colossal, uh, just having that massive HP, the tank ability, and then being able to really effectively run things like uh, Crushing Hammer to try to give a little bit, and Mallow and Lana for that matter, to try to give the deck a little bit more longevity as well. Um, I think it's well poised right now. Uh, you, you look at the the good matchups, you know, being things like Pigram, things like Eternatus, although... It can get, you know, you can obviously lose those matchups, uh, but certainly in your favor. Uh, but I think it's well poised considering the field. Yeah, so let's run through then the pros of playing Colossal. If you were playing, what is a motivating factor then to playing Colossal? I think the most obvious one off rip is that it hits Pikaram and Eternatus for weakness, especially getting that clean Oko on Pikaram is really valuable. What's another reason you might pick up Colossal as opposed to one of these other decks? Uh, reason you might pick up Colossal. I, I think it's just the weakness factor. I, unless you're thinking about something else that I can't quite put my finger on, uh, it's, the, it's the weakness factor there for me that's going to be the main reason. If you keep queuing up into the Picaroms and the Eternatus, which you probably will, um, you know, Colossal is obviously a deck that uh, you should consider for Players Cup 3. And then the problem, I think, with Colossal is that, you know, you do hit Things like Picaram for weakness, but the the problem there is just that you know now a lot of these Picaram decks that uh, have been performing well are running Mewtwo, which gives them 
and out to you know surviving those uh those what otherwise would be one shots yeah and we have seen some colossal builds show up with like double mimic you in some cases to try and mitigate that right so right and to yeah, be honest exactly. i mean i think that's a pretty effective solution to the mewtwo problem if you're able to get those rolling um yeah so yeah i, I agree with you i think colossal has pretty solid matchups against pgrom and eternatus which if you spoiler alert if you haven't listened to the cast before uh, pgrom and eternatus are going to be the one and two spots on this list um so that's a really valuable trait in of itself. I think Colossal struggles most against the lower decks on this list, to be honest. Uh, I think some of its worst matchups in the metagame are these like lower decks on the list here. You know, Lucario right. Melmetal is a great example of a deck that Colossal really, really struggles against and doesn't really have an out to. Um, you know, Seni Scorch has historically been a tough matchup for Colossal because of the constant damage ramping um, with similar levels of tankiness. So... You know, there's definitely some downsides to playing Colossal there, but it is a solid pick, especially, you know, it's pretty easy to run into some of these tournaments, and, you know, there's, like, three Picaroms there. You know, you play round one, sure. two, and three, you play all Picarom. Um, same thing for, like, Eternatus. I've had that happen all the time in Players' Cup 2, and I feel like those decks were less popular in Players' Cup 2 than they are now. So, sure. you know, that really can't be understated how good that weakness factor is, and I think Colossal also is pretty decent especially if you run, like, healing builds against random niche decks that maybe try to, like, two-hit KO you and stuff like that. Um, Colossal really can prey on those. Yeah, absolutely. Would agree. So let's jump down to our next deck on the list, then. Uh, fan favorite. <laughs> A deck that JW and I have been less fond of. Uh, but that's going to be Semi Scorch, the yeah. Fire Centipede. So, JW, right. run us through some of the, the high-level thoughts on Semi Scorch. Yeah, Semi Scorch... Um... Let's see. A reason why you would want to play Senna Scorch is, I think, um, you you value having uh, really a shot at beating anything. Like you don't you don't have too many auto losses that I would say in the format. You know, save for the random water deck here and there. Um, but you're generally gonna give yourself a chance to um, win just about anything. And I will give it to Senna Scorch. You do have a pretty favorable ADP matchup. Um, just from my testing, what I've seen from tournaments, what I've seen other players talk about, it's it's a generally favorable matchup. Uh, and so with that, you know, also if you're expecting a lot of Zacian ADP, which I must say was one of the decks, like I saw this poll, I think it was on... Uh, on on verbank or something but uh, somebody posted a poll and it was like okay what deck are you just going to grind the players cup three with and the the favorite was adp so uh, if you're thinking that there's going to be a lot of adp and you want to make sure that you take a positive matchup for uh, against that deck then i think send a scorch is the way to go yeah and i think some other aspects of sending scorch i think are worth calling out is the deck snowballs really hard um it's kind of like adp mm -hmm. where if it yeah. gets a lead it pretty much strangles you out of the game um, yeah. obviously accelerating to itself is a huge factor into that and continuing to do more damage every turn. Um, yeah, you're, you're generally like pretty, pretty even to, to favorite against a lot of decks. You, you definitely do have some, uh, issues. Decidui goons can be problematic and, uh, most, most specifically Eternatus can be a pretty tough matchup. Pikram I've never felt as being super favorable, but I think a good Santa Scorch player can play their way around, um, Picaram situations. And uh yeah, I just look at the only really negative, truly like unfavorable matchup for Eternatus. Uh excuse me, for Sense Scorch as being Eternatus. 
yeah, when I think of Sunny Scorch, I don't think of it having like two overwhelming besides like destroying loose metal, having two overwhelming matchups in either direction. But yeah. I see it having chances to completely destroy individual games or completely get destroyed individual games at the same time. And this go to, to con sure. Sunny Scorch. Um, when Sunny Scorch yeah. is cold because it's a welder deck, it runs really cold. Um, yeah. And that's just that's been a consistent flaw of welder decks because of the nature of welder, where it's excel, it's yeah. your energy excel and your draw. So if you miss yeah. it, then you lose like your whole deck. <laughs> so. Yeah. So you can yeah you so you can win any matchup. Um, you know you, you just you take those even matchups or, or just de- generally even matchup spreads. But like you said, um, it, it's going to be a deck where it's kind of live and die by the welder, which uh, I generally tend to stay away from. Yeah, and to be fair, I I think this is a fair point. I see people making it on social media about how Sunny Scorch, you know, isn't completely run hot. Like it's not it's not like Welder Zard from um sure. from over a year ago when you would just hit Welder every single turn and you needed to do that to keep up with your energy excel. Um, you know, Sunny Scorch, you know, it can afford to whiff here and there. Um, you know, by virtue of its attack and by virtue of um just like not necessarily needing to oko every single time. Like sometimes you are going to do a KO regardless, so it doesn't really matter. Um, right. And in those, and I do think that's a valid point, um, but I still think regardless, like, Welder decks are going to have that kind of run, hot or cold nature to them, just how the card works. Um, yeah, definitely. So that's, like, kind of a pro-anacon, I guess, of Santa Scorch, is it has that even matchup spread, but it comes at, at the cost of having, like, these blowout games and these really disappointing games. Yeah, definitely. And that, I, I mean, that might factor in, you know, I, I don't want to be too speculative about it, but um, yeah, you know, I, I can just imagine like going in with Send a Scorch and then I have, you know, a great game. And then I follow that up with like a, a horrible game that I know I should have won, but I missed, um, you know, I, I missed a welder or I missed, you know, that crucial, that crucial card that sometimes I feel like Send a Scorch uh, does more frequently than other decks. And I just, yeah, I don't know the mindset that I would be in after, after that, uh, I don't know. I yeah, don't know. I mean, the mental is a, a mental is a valid factor for sure. Um, right. I also want to talk. Santa Scorch has had a lot of different variation in how the deck has been built over the last, you know, six months here. Sure. So, sure. Yeah, we've definitely seen kind but... of a straight Santa Scorch build, and now uh, Pedro popularizing the Santa Scorch with Sil Valley. So yeah, I'll turn that question to you, Riley. What do you think? If you were to play Santa Scorch, what would you go with the the straightforward version, or would you add in a Sil Valley line? Yeah, I'm kind of on the fence about it. I think the Savali line just adds so much clunk to the deck. Like, there's just so much going on at that point. Um, but I can't deny, like, the extra consistency that Savali provides in a deck like Senescorch is good uh, once yeah, well, you get so it like, off. It's, it's, it's maybe some clunk in the early game and maybe some consistency towards the late game. Right. And so yeah. I guess it depends what you're trying to do with your Scorch deck. When I think of Sunny Scorch versus ADP, for example, you're not super worried about being disrupted. You just want to get going as fast as possible. Um, so if you're dissipating a lot of ADP, like maybe Savali isn't the tech for you. Um, but at the same time, like against Picaron, their main strategy against Sunny Scorch is to stamp them to low. Um, and Savali completely nullifies that, obviously, um, unless they're yeah. able to gust it up and KO at the same turn. But then your Sunny Scorch has not been hit. So it's also served its purpose. Um, so I think against Picarom, it's a much better option than against, like, ADP. Um, so I, it really comes down to if you're trying to get out as fast as possible out of the gates or if you're trying to um, play the long game. Sure, absolutely. And honestly, I don't think I can make that choice for everyone. Um, 
you know it and so and i feel like the meta on these like tournaments kind of depends on the individual days even like there's yeah. some days where it's just like some decks are really popular and some days other decks are popular um, yeah and that's that's a lot of the problem well i wouldn't say the problem but it makes it hard to predict especially in these eight-man tournaments where you have you know somewhere between 10 and 15 honestly like truly viable decks that could you know win in any given eight man uh, right. with a little bit of luck so it's just you know it does come down to a lot of personal preference like you're saying but um trying to make those informed decisions trying to maximize like uh how how your deck would perform in you know a tournament setting and just taking like the slivers of uh you know on the margins trying to win on the margins so if you're saying okay well generally speaking if i think that i'm going to play some meta game that involves a lot of pikaram and um you know my my deck gives me a you know 5 or 10% chance better um you know my build gives me a 5 or 10% better chance against pikaram like maybe i should choose that even though you know, maybe you get smoked by everything that's not Pikaram over and over. It's it's tough, right? Again, because these tournaments are just so localized. Um, that said, um, I think I would I think I would start off with the Savali build, and if it like was really starting to disappoint me, I, I would switch um, just to mix mm-hmm. it up. But I like yeah. I like the theory of having the option of it, um, so I'd at least want to give it a, a fair shake. Sure. How about you? Sure. Do you have a strong feelings one way or the other? Yeah, no, not not too much. I mean, Senna Scorch is not a deck that I would even consider picking up. Um, <laughs> well, not, that's not like a knock on anyone that does play it because it has. It seems to have these generally like favorable win percentages in all the tournaments that I look at. Um, but it's still, again, just not not quite the deck for me. And uh, I know that there are some strong, strong, ardent supporters <laughs> of Senna Scorch. Sure so all I have to say to you guys is is go in confident. You do you. Uh, let's move on to our number four deck, and that's Lucario Melmetal. So this deck um, has kind of fallen off and then come back, and you know, and it's seen some some pretty good success recently uh, in terms of just the number of people that play it. And so, what are your thoughts on Lucario Melmetal? We talked about Lucario Melmetal a lot for Players Cup two. I think generally our our thoughts on how good it has uh become or, or how it's positioned in the metagame have, have generally shifted towards maybe not in as as good of a position again with the rise of Senescorch, that's just almost an unwinnable matchup especially if they play giratina so kind of talk me through zash and luke metal and and what has changed from players cup 2 to now yeah um obviously Senescorch is going to be the biggest inhibitory factor for luke metal I think Lucario Melmetal takes a really close ADP matchup, a pretty close Picaron matchup, and then just destroys Eternatus and Colossal 9 out of 10 times. Um, Colossal especially. Um, Eternatus, if their poison build, can put up a fight. Um, but usually that fight will end in Luke Metal's favor. Not always, but usually. Um, so when I think of Luke Metal, the biggest pro for me is it has just overwhelmingly good matchups where it has good matchups. Um, you know, you can play into like a Zigzagoon based Eternatus deck or a Colossal deck. Um, and even like some, in some cases, like against poor Picaron players, um, I get into Picaron decks and you just feel yeah. so good and it's just you just coast. And yeah. honestly, in kind of a game of endurance, like the Players' Cup, where you're going through all these tournaments, that's pretty valuable, you know, being able to just queue up, hit the Eternatus that doesn't play Poison and just win um, by laying down that um, Zamacenta. That's 
pretty nice. You know, it's nice yeah. to get the breather. It's nice to, um, you know, just get the nice dub. You know, you guarantee points on the board. Um, so that's, I think, a really positive element to it. Um, it also just generally, it leans into the disruptive, like slow and steady playstyle really well. It's one of the best users of Zacian's Intrepid Sword ability in the game. Um, and it still has a fighting chance against Senescorch if it doesn't play the Giratina. Uh, it's not yeah. great, but you still have a chance, which is something you couldn't really say before. Um, so that's nice. <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, I think you make a good point there when you say that, um, you know, Zamazenta is as close to an auto win card uh, just by itself as I think we have in this format. And so, um, like you said, being able to play into that Eternatus build that is just a straight Eternatus build. And yeah, you get that Zamazenta and maybe you get a GX attack and maybe you get the uh, the tool down. You know, it, it's not going down. Right, it's going to be very hard for that Eternatus player to uh, win that match. So, um, yeah, definitely something to consider when you think about how popular and how well Eternatus has been doing recently. Yeah, honestly, the the problems. The, so, going to the cons I have with Luke Metal. Obviously, the scan search matchup is rough. We don't need to harp on that. Um, the games that aren't auto wins tend to be very grindy. Um, so, it's almost like you get. I don't want to say an equivalent exchange, but you you do get your payoff for having these auto wins where you have these games that last a long time and kind of wear on you. Um, you sure. know, you'll have pretty long play sessions when you go into tournaments with Luke Metal compared to like Eternatus or Picaram where you're going to be blazing through at ADP as well. Um, and the ADP matchup is kind of... I, I It can really go either way, but it's pretty close. And... It's kind of an uncomfortable close matchup because if ADP plays enough outs to like your tools, then it gets pretty bad pretty fast. Um, so I I hate having like a super tight ADP matchup, especially like if ADP is going to be one of the more popular decks. Um, yeah. Especially when you're also having like these relatively grindy games and some of your other matchups that are taking a while. Sure. Yeah, it's definitely one for the endurance players. Um, certainly a deck that I could never recommend to somebody that, you know, hasn't kept up in their practice. You know, I think there are some decks that lend themselves to maybe a more uh, novice player or maybe a less kind of a player that doesn't have a lot of time on their hands. Right. And they still want to get their keys um, used up. And so I, I wouldn't for that player that just has limited time or is maybe somebody that doesn't play Pokemon too often couldn't really recommend luke metal yeah that's a fair point as well do you have any other thoughts on luke metal i kind of rambled for a bit there i think it's a great deck i think there are a few things that you can consider one of the biggest is just do you play crushing hammer or not i don't think the deck needs it but i don't think the deck you know hates having it it's obviously <laughs> trying to go for this kind of um uh, energy denial strategy with uh you know a little bit of the zamazenta right you can you can again special energy remove some of that with some uh but then the lucario melmetal gx attack so hammers i think slot in very nicely although i don't necessarily think you need it and and i actually think one of the biggest um one of the biggest downfalls of lucario melmetal is just that consistency um they are it can be right because you're not playing Dedenne generally speaking you're not playing um crobat generally speaking because you want to keep your pokemon's hp just as high as possible force your opponent to just do as much damage you know just to try to finagle your way to a win and so uh since you're not playing those other cards 
those consistency cards, you know, you really have to rely on the Intrepid Sword. And so, um, yeah, just uh, adding in things like Crushing Hammer, I, I think I would generally tend to try to add in more consistency as opposed to the Crushing Hammers. Yeah, um, me too. So. Awesome. So let's jump down to our next Sashian-based deck, and that's going to be ADP Zashian, the monster of the metagame. What, <laughs> what hasn't been said about ADP Zashian? Um, JW, do you want to run us through some of the, the pros of playing ADP? Well, you're going to know pretty quickly whether or not you win. <laughs> so if I'm playing ADP for the Players' Cup, I'm trying to maximize turn one potential. Um, you know, you're, you're not playing for the late game, you know, don't bother with reset stamps. I, I would almost argue maybe not even bother that much with Marnie. Um, and just kind of gear the deck towards the turn one, you know, I would look into kind of earlier <coughs> in the format builds of ADP where they were just kind of four energy switch, you know, three waters, maybe even Viridian forest, just to maximize the chances of getting the energy in the hand turn one. and um, Really just go hard. Yeah, that, that would be my recommend, recommendation for that deck. Yeah, ADP is probably the best deck just to slam through your tickets with um, or your, your keys with because you pretty much know how the game's going to go really fast. Yeah. Um, and even like the grindiest game an ADP will have will be like six turns. So I've been thinking about playing ADP with, uh, with like a second Mawile and Surprise Box. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that. So surprise box. No, is no, it's a, a, yeah, no, explain that, card. Yeah. yeah, so it, it allows you to put a Pokemon card from your opponent's discard pile into their hand. So that can be anything. It could be an <laughs> item. You know, it's most likely you've seen it used with the Gengar and Mimikyu GX, but uh, it could put, you know, a Dedenne back from your opponent's <laughs> discard into their hand. I just thought that would be hilarious if you didn't even have to use Zashin, right? So you could just like uh, Gus Dedenne, you know, maybe you play a surprise box to um to Mawile and then you could just play a more like ADP focused ADP build, right? So you wouldn't even have to accelerate to Zashin. So you could just gust up the Dedene twice, <laughs> the same one. And <laughs> it probably make your opponent really mad because you know they they played so well, right? Where they put the they put the Dedene in the discard pile and you know there's no <laughs> way you could you could win now because they have their VMAX active and it's it's healthy and then you just go surprise box Mawile, the second Mawile, and then body him with a ghost. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know I about that, but that sounds pretty funny. <laughs> it's a good YouTuber, if nothing else. <laughs> that's right well you know me always thinking about my next video <laughs> yeah i mean I, that is the strength of adp though right is preying on the support pokemon making them give up half your prize pool um you know it really is rough for for these two and three prize decks to play against adp especially um so what are the cons then of playing adp in my mind the biggest con is is almost the same as its pro where if you have a bad start then it's really, really hard to come back from there. Um, yeah. Unless your opponent's deck is just equally slow and like gives you that opportunity to alter creation anyway. Yeah, it it can be one of the decks most susceptible to crushing hammer, and I would say that there's like two points, um, two pressure points, two pressure turns uh, with ADP that you're just like really hoping they don't hit a hammer or honestly just get a knockout, right? So you have that first turn where, um, 
you know, you're trying to just attach your first energy of the game. And so if they hit a crushing hammer, well, then it becomes much harder because now you need a two card combo in saucer and energy switch to get, you know, that energy that you lost onto your ADP. And then the other pressure point is right after you GX and you, you know, are trying to get the, uh, the attack off. And so uh, that can be really difficult if they hit hammer there. Um, and so I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's the it's the one deck that's that's uh, I, among these top decks that's the most affected by crushing hammer. And so, yeah, you just just again another mindset thing. If you're going in with ADP, you just you can't be can't get too salty when the uh, the hammer flips don't go your way. Yeah, I agree. So I mean, I think at this point we're probably not going to sell you on or off ADP. Um, you know, it's a it's a really strong deck. It preys on support Pokemon. It gets games done quick. So, I personally wouldn't play ADP for many of my keys because I feel like the games are somewhat out of my control when I play ADP. Um, but it's a great deck to really get through those keys quickly, especially if you're on a time crunch. Yeah, definitely. So let's jump down to our next deck then, and this is where it gets the most contested on the tag team podcast, and that is Pikaram. <laughs> So Pikram, the, the lightning rats, the staple of this format, really. Um, we've raved up Pikram for a while, so I don't think we need to sing its praises. Um, a lot of benefits with the reset stamp, the paralyze, all of that. Do you have any other like more niche pros to playing Pikram? More niche pros? Uh, I mean, it is just a really consistent deck. I, I like the fact that... Um, it's another deck that you, you know, maybe want to choose to go second with. So there are a few decks, other decks out there that also would want to go choose to go second, but you can also work your way out of going first. So I think that's another thing like, um, you know, with Scorch, you, you really do want to go second every <laughs> single game, but with a deck like Picaram, you, you can work your way out of going first, going second. Uh, you give yourself a lot of options. There's certainly, uh, more, more thinking with the deck then I think people give it credit for because there are just these marginal plays that um, can help you later on in the game, whether or not to, um, you know, discard certain cards or keep certain cards or play Marnie or play research in that turn. I mean, there are just a few kind of marginal decisions that can, that can really swing um, the match, you know, into your, into or out of your favor by a few, you know, percentage points. So uh, I, I think it doesn't get quite enough credit for being, um, uh, you know, it's hard, one of the harder decks to play, and I don't think it gets enough credit. For sure, for sure. Yeah. I think in terms of cons, then Ikaram has a big target on its back, so a lot there will be a lot of niche decks that maybe aren't on this list that will be yeah. built to beat Pikaram or have good matchups against Pikaram. Um, I also think Pikaram, if it's another deck where if you get a really slow start, it struggles to come back from that. Um, kind of not as much bad as ADP, but um, you know, compared to deck like Luke Metal, I think is the best example where it can start off a little slow and come back fine. Um, Eternatus can also start off with like a couple like kind of weaker Power Excel turns and still come back. Um, doesn't really have that, in my opinion. Especially like if you prize a Coco and they flip a Hammerheads, then um, you're like can be in a pretty rough spot pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. That said, Pikaram is probably the best user of Crushing Hammer. Um, it's the best user of Reset Stamp as well um, in terms of these top decks. So, yeah. And those are both like exceptionally good cards right now. So, 
Yeah, definitely There's true. Reason definitely true. About the here. crushing hammer, the the nice thing about the crushing hammer is that I, you just Pikaram has the consistency options that um, some of these other decks don't have in in the form of just being able to draw a significant portion of the deck without needing to um, to utilize a draw supporter, and so you just have these consistency options um, to be able to play crushing hammer a lot more easily. So um, yeah, a huge yeah, reason I, it's afforded that, that is. Um, Pikram has the most Pokemon search of all the decks right now, the most accessible Pokemon search. So you have the Quick Balls and the E Radars, which really lets you get all the Pokemon you need, draw your support Pokemon as well as your uh, main attackers very quickly. Um, and that really can't be understated right now. Most decks are really the only consistent search they have is Quick Ball, then they're also working off like Great Balls and Comms, um, whereas Pikram doesn't have that problem at all. Sure. So well, good. I what's think a, that is enough on Pikaram. We have. Uh, I do have one more Pikaram question for you, actually. Oh. Um, <laughs> in terms of builds, how, what Pikaram yeah. kind of build are you feeling? Do you like heavy Bolton? Do you like heavy Mewtwo? Um, somewhat, something between. Yeah, I mean, I I like an elevated count of Bolton. Like, if if I'm being asked to, you know, play two or three, like I'm I'm gonna generally try to fit in more i just value that pokemon as that support that setup and then also in the late game there are just times with your bench where it gets a little too full and i find myself discarding boltons but then i'll want a bolton in the end of the game you know it's just like it needs it has its right times right it, it, it's never that good in the mid game but it's always pretty good i mean you want it in the in the early game and then you generally want it in the late game so i don't ever find that uh, having fewer boltons like, I'd rather have that elevated count. In terms of Mewtwo, I like Mewtwo as well, giving you an option uh, to go up against the Colossals of the world, the um, Excadrills of the world. and um, Also slightly better make... against EDP. Yeah, true, true. I, I was just going to say that. And it can make for um, some pretty fun mirror matches, too. <laughs> for sure. So there you go. We endorse both U2 and High Bolton count. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. So last but certainly not least on our list is another deck we've been singing the praises of, and that is Eternatus. JW, what's the scoop on Eternatus? Well, Eternatus is the kind of deck that um I I just I love it. I love it. <laughs> I I love that it's it's straightforward. It hits for high damage. It, it can really control the opponent's board if you get set up, um, you know, quickly enough. It's low maintenance, generally speaking. Um, generally, it, it, it's hammer proof. You know, you have that uh, that first attack on the Eternatus to be able to accelerate some energy. So, I, I like it a lot. It's the like I said, the most low maintenance deck that we have right now. For sure. I don't know if I necessarily agree with it being hammer-proof. I think Eternatus struggles with hammers pretty hard, but... Um, well, really? I don't know. I, I don't... Like, there are ways around it, I guess, is all I mean to say. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely play into it, but, you know, they hit, like, a second hammerheads, and it feels really awful. Sure. Because at a certain sure. point, you have to stop power accelerating. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, true. So, um, you know, I think in terms of Eternatus, it moves really fast in terms of like damage output it can pretty consistently get 270 plus on the second turn um you know you're looking at 
just a fairly low maintenance deck. Like you get out your two energies and you start swinging. Um, you have the four Crobat to for your consistency. You can play a pretty wide array of builds as well. So it turns into the deck you can kind of sculpt to your liking. Um, yeah. And in my mind, a con is is the hammer weakness because um, really once you get out of the early game and power accelerating, you are capped at the one energy per turn um, as opposed to some of these other decks on the list which have other forms of acceleration. In fact, I think actually every single one of the other decks in this list has some sort of acceleration besides Eternatus in, when it's not power accelerating. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I... Yeah, right. And that's, that's, I mean, you know, hammers, I, I say that, that it's hammer proof, but yeah, you bring up a good point where in that late game, if, if the hammers have been saved and they're able to hit one, two, three, you know, at the most inopportune times, it can really um, make for some difficult, difficult end games. Um, but I think that is just generally, you know, kind of crossed out by just how, how good uh, Eternatus can be against Picaram, against Zashin. I look at those two matchups as being particularly favorable. And then just against the random stuff. Like last <laughs> Players' Cup, I played Charizard VMAX a couple of times. I played, you know, a couple of Mewtwo's. I played, I don't know, like uh, some Rillaboom decks. Like just against those random kind of right. big attackers, you're going to thrive. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Is Eternatus thrives the more prizes your opponent's pokemon gives up because it can probably <laughs> ko it <laughs> yeah right. so right. you know three i think eternus is the best against three prize kind of decks like decks that use tag teams heavily or um yeah. or v maxes and then it's pretty good against two prize decks um because it can, can kind of just knock all those out and usually gets to hit ko'd in return um yeah. and then it struggles the most against one prize decks which really we haven't seen a lot of lately um so, you know, maybe this is the time for one prize decks to rise up. <laughs> Perhaps, yeah. One of the one of the biggest cons. I mean, you, you look at a good Pikaram, a good ADP matchup here. You're not so much looking at a good uh, Zashin Luke Metal matchup. Yeah, that right. one's one of the ones that scares me. But you know, you gotta <laughs> you gotta think with all the things that we talked about, Luke Metal, um, you know, maybe not being the best play for you know a newer player. I, I certainly could see someone that. Uh, you know, plays Zosh and Luke Metal maybe without a lot of practice, maybe not quite knowing, you know, what to do in certain situations and maybe playing themselves into unfavorable positions by, you know, playing down an extra Pokemon or not using their GX at the right time. And so, um, you know, I, I would just, the caliber of the player in the Players' Cup uh, should be generally high, you know, people that care. Uh, but you also see, it, again, just a lot of weird things. So, um, you know, if you're worried about that one unfavorable matchup, I would say, you know, maybe, maybe don't be, or try to account for it. So there are two builds of Eternatus, the yeah. straightforward version, you know, and I've actually seen a lot of Eternatus builds move away from scoop up net, which I think is a generally good shift. Um, so the straight versions now are playing maybe more Eveltal counts or more spear tomb, Sableye, that kind of thing. Uh, but just kind of foregoing the scoop up nets and uh, not really relying on those zigzagoons, except to give you the extra 10 damage to one shot in ADP. On the other side, you got poison builds of Eternatus. And I find these to be you know, a little bit clunkier generally, but having better matchups uh, against the Zosh and Luke medals of the world. And, and even, um, you know, maybe 
shifting more favorably to send a scorch matchup. So what are your thoughts, Riley, on uh, Poison, Eternatus versus the regular? And uh, what are kind of the card choices that you would make uh, based on which version you'd play? Yeah, I think you summarized pretty well um, the reasons you might play one or the other. Um, you know, the main draw for me for Poison would be the Senti Scorch matchup and Lucario Melmetal matchup. I'm um, being able to like really just cleanly Oko Senti Scorch will solidify that matchup for sure. Um, and then it gives you a fighting shot against Luke Metal. Um, I've generally, and I'm going to continue this trend, I like to err on the side of more consistent, straightforward builds for decks like this. Um, so I prefer having like a couple of Zigzagoons, a couple of Veltals, um, you know, a Spiritomb or two or, or more even. I've seen like four Spiritomb variants pop up recently. Um, I think that those kinds of builds will end up generally over a long period of time more successful um, because for every win you eke out against Luke Metal, because it's still not a guaranteed win. It actually is still kind of a bad matchup. Um, yep. So like, why are we building a deck to make a bad matchup a little bit better? Um, I don't sure. think that's like an effective use of deck space. Um, that said, like there is a lot of other benefits to poison. Um, like you can even climb up to Okoing the mirror if you happen to get all the, the dudes out. Um, That's right. Which is a challenge. It's, hard, but it's a challenge, but possible. Um, but I think against a field at large, I would rather have a straightforward variant at this snapshot yeah. in time. So I I also really enjoy um and, and maybe you think differently, but I also really enjoy power plant in the deck. Um, just as another kind of, it does kind of solidify certain matchups. Like if you can get a power plant to stick early against Pikram, they don't find yeah, it as well. as well. That can be really problematic. ADP is very, very reliant on their Dedenes and even like their Mawiles, but you'll probably have enough Pokemon on the bench anyway. Uh, and then it just gives you a little bit of an extra insurance against the Mewtwo decks, uh, which you don't necessarily need. But um, again, it's kind of nice. So what's uh, what are your thoughts on? On, uh, on that stadium card. And also another thing that I've seen is um, Dangerous Drill as well. Yeah, I do like I do like having some tool removal in Dangerous Drill and the special energy is like kind of an ancillary benefit. Um, mostly to be able to KO um, ADP with like utmost efficiency. Um, that big charm, getting it to 310 is significantly more challenging to do on the second turn, and if ADP is allowed to ultimate Ray a Crobat, you can kiss your game goodbye, pretty much. Um, so I like having that as an option. Even if you get, even if you swing for like 280 and then Dangerous Drill at the next turn, um, that's a pretty big swing and potentially enough to like get you the game back. Um, so I like having that option. I Power Plants, I'm not for sure on, just because I like the consistency that Dark City provides, and I'd hate to to bounce that from my deck. Um, that said, if you're playing a heavy enough Eveltal count, um, that might be less impactful to you because Eveltal obviously has that free retreat. Yeah, for sure. So, um, those are kind of our collective thoughts on Eternatus. Any other closing thoughts you have on these top decks, JW? I'm just excited to to get to it. I, you know, we we've been saying that we've been enjoying Eternatus and Pikaram now. Uh, probably sounded like a broken record, but but honestly, I mean, it, you can't go wrong with a lot of these decks. Um, we've given six that um, I generally would feel comfortable suggesting to anyone. Um, you know, these these are probably the cream of the crop, the the tier one or close to tier one choices. So, um, 
you know, just again, be confident in your in your deck choice. Do your testing. I, I would really recommend it uh, as opposed to just kind of going in blind and, and know what uh, your good matchups, your bad matchups are going to be and what you can do to kind of mitigate those and, and make your deck choices based on what you think you might see. Absolutely. We have a couple questions in chat that I want to talk about before we jump into our card of the day for this week. Um, so first off, uh, do you think Trevnar is more of a road deck in standard? And do you think Malamar rotating with reason? It hasn't seen much play. Um, I think Malamar is a huge loss for Trevnar, and I don't think the Rotom is fast enough to get it where it needs to be in the current meta. Um, yeah. Carlos GDCar asks, what is your favorite Pokemon? Uh, mine is Pichu and JW. Dragonite. Dragonite. Um, I could have answered that for you, but I thought I'd lend you the I, th- I thought you were there for a second, actually. <laughs> and last but not least, Bortmelk asks, uh, since Mew Mewtwo have historically had copy attacks, do you think there might be a Mew VMAX that does a similar thing? Um, there may be. I anticipate there probably will be, because I think we've gotten now like a copy Mew of, of like every like E special like Pokemon. You know what I'm talking about? Like there's, there's a Mew Star, there's a Mew... Um, a Mew Prime, there's a Mew EX, there's a Mew 2 Mew Tag Team GX. Um, so presumably there will be some sort of V, V Max version. Yeah, well, we already have the V, and something that they've been doing is kind of updating the Vs, right? We've been seeing a lot of these, like... Yeah, uh, like Victini, we have the Coco V Victini now. Max is a great example. Coco V Max, uh, where you kind of get uh, get a new tool for an old V Pokemon. As well as a new V for that Pokemon. True. So... I think there'll probably be something, um, or maybe it'll be one of the V fusion things. Right. Um, right. So anyway, uh, card of the day. So for this week, I want to choose another fun card. Um, so this past weekend, my best friend's hat had gotten neutered and the poor little guy was, oh, no. was so sad and I felt really bad for it. So I wanted to pick a cat for the card this week. Uh, <laughs> And the most fun cat card, in my opinion, is Meowth from Noble Victories. So if uh-huh. you're unfamiliar, this is one of like <laughs> this is one of the goofiest secret rare cards. I think. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so this, that one. Yeah. Okay, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. one of the goofiest okay. secret rare cards I think they've ever printed. It's just a. I mean, if the art from it, it just looks like a bog standard Meowth card. To be honest, <laughs> it's just like a Meowth sitting in a field. Um, but there's a cool little. Meowth coin payday symbol that is on the bottom of the card and it's just so cool and you know the fact it's this goofy little Meowth that's a, it's like a 20 plus dollar card because it's a secret rare um it just brings joy to my heart it fits perfectly in with Meowth so um I don't have like a ton to say on the card it's just super neat super cool and it does it does look sick I, like the addition of the symbol adds a lot to the card I think so um, yeah I I wonder how much they go for, like a PSA ten. I have no idea. I, the like a regular near mint goes for like twenty five dollars at least, uh, maybe really? more even. Um, yeah, Pokemon prices are insane. I was watching the um, the Pikachu from Cosmic Eclipse. You know that full art one? Yeah. It's like sixty dollars now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, man. There's also, you know, for the the fans of this Meowth, there's also like a Pikachu done in a similar style to this Meowth that has like the an electric symbol on the bottom instead. Um, yeah. But I wanted to do the Meowth because he's cool and iconic. And the cat got neutered. And the poor cat got neutered. Uh, I hope this Meowth didn't get neutered. That's a traumatic experience, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
So let's jump over to our last topic for today, and that's going to be some general mindset tips for the Players' Cup. Um, we hit on this a couple times as we talked to the top decks, but Players' Cup is kind of a grind. Like, you're working through 50 of these keys, and, you know, you could potentially have three rounds of play in all of those. So we're talking at least 100, or at least, like, 100-ish games to do this, maybe even more, um, you know, off to 150. And yeah. that's a lot of poke. So, JW, we have three main tips here. Why don't you walk through our first one? Yeah, first one for me would just be be present for your game. So, um, what I mean is like don't don't kind of go through these uh, these games kind of willy nilly. You know, and I, I was very victim uh, of this in Players Cup Two, where I finished one, and you know maybe I did bad. And I was like, okay, I got to run it back and I got to like, I got to, I got to prove that that wasn't a fluke. And then I kind of had this like rage mindset, you know, where it's like, uh, I'm just going to go fast. I'm going to prove that that last one, like maybe wasn't uh, real, you know, that wasn't a real game. Right. And I know that the deck can perform better. And then the (laughs) other one was just me winning and then kind of, you know, doing the same thing where it's just going, you know, run it back, run it back. Like I'm on a hot streak. I'm going to go very fast. And, and and I know I can just, it was a breeze that last tournament. So I know this next one's going to be a breeze and just not being as present as I could have been, you know, not checking the prizes, not, um, yep. you know, double thinking through my actions. And uh, it definitely cost me a couple of times in the player's cup too. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of, I kind of have like the opposite problem where I get lot of like anxiety for playing in tournaments for and this goes for like all like even up on the ladder i like to like kind of pause between my games and like like take a breath um so i recommend like between your games and the cuffs just take take like a minute like do a lap around your office or something like walk around for a second take a breather and then sit down and go through it again because it's really easy to hit that play again button especially after a loss but um even after a win and um and just to continue playing without really thinking about it. And no matter how good of a player you are, like at a certain point, your play will decay, especially in the online setting where it's easy to get distracted by other things. Um, you know, you're on your computer, you know, you could all of a sudden pull up a YouTube video on the side and you're just paying attention to it more than the game you're playing. That's pretty easy to do. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you're one of those players that maybe plays better, um, you know, with something in the background or with a distraction. I mean, hey, you know, more power to you. This is just some tips that we can give that have that have uh, for sure. You know, certainly, certainly are things that I'm going to be thinking about in this Players Cup run. Yeah. So the next tip that I have and is about deck swapping. So what I want to emphasize is, at the end of the day, you'll see a relatively like normalized experience with your Players Cup and. By throwing one deck consistently, you'll get pretty good results on the whole. Um, so, for example, if you're big into Lucario Metal and you run into a Senti Scorch two tournaments in a row, um, but then maybe the so you switch decks, but then maybe in those tournaments that you ran switch decks, you run into Colossal a bunch of times, um, so you switch back, and then you get Senti Scorch again, so you switch. Um, what you're gonna find is that you're getting you're adding extra randomness to what there's already random because in my opinion the players cup you're basically kind of especially in round one you're basically getting like a random pull out of a hat for what deck you're going to get um sure 
So by so if you consider that to be random, and obviously there's like yeah. some factors that go into that, um, like the meta yeah, on yeah, the day. But if for you consider sure. that to be random and you like also are introducing like your constant shifting of decks, you're gonna like compound on that and you're gonna get less consistent results. Um so what I would recommend, I did this for Players Cup 2 and I saw a lot of success. Um was just sticking to like one or two decks and running those down. Um, you know, I played Peak Ram and Luke Metal for every single one of my keys in Players Cup 2. And what I found was, yeah, I would have some tournaments where I would just lose round one. But, you know, if I took a breather and came back with Peak Ram, you know, maybe I'd win the whole thing or maybe I'd lose round one again. But if I kept throwing it at, I would eventually get the results that made sense to me. Sure, sure. I think, too, um, it's important to give yourself like a, a stop gap. You know, I think that there are going to be some players out there that are saying, okay, I, I've heard all this advice. I need to just take one deck and, and stick with it uh, for the entirety of the tournament. And, um, you know, I, I would just suggest, you know, maybe give it, like give yourself that point where you can look at your data and you can say, okay, here's the pace that I'm on with my current deck and the matchups that I've been seeing have been favorable, unfavorable. And, you know, maybe that's, 20 games or 25 games or 30 games and you decide hey you know maybe it's time for a change or i'm doing great and i can stick with my one deck all the way through uh, just give yourself that out because i know it can be yeah. really um you know certainly anxiety inducing for me where i'm like i'm gonna do all the players cup three on one deck and then i find ah this deck really isn't like yeah and as like well i don't think I, you like definitely don't get in the trap of like thinking you have to stay on one deck either I think, like JW said, give it give it a fair shake. Give it ten keys or ten games or however you want to go about it. Um, and if it's really just consistently not working, then you know it's time to change. But you won't know it's consistently not working unless you give it the time for that to happen. Yeah, exactly. So we have one more tip here, JW. Lay it on us. Wait, which one is it? Okay, I think you kind of merged the two that you said together. I separated them. So okay. I think outside of mindlessness um, and like losing track of what's going on, um, the other, I kind of separated this. I think JW put it in the same vein. Um, don't get like tilted and continue to, to queue up yeah. over and over again. Because So like a little bit separate from the mindfulness, mindlessness is just like rage queuing. Um, you know, if you really want to have a rage game, just go to the ladder or something. <laughs> sure. Because you're going to make more mistakes, you're going to lose again, and then you're going to do the same thing over and over. This happens all the time in all sorts of online games, and don't let it happen with your Player's Cup where your keys are precious. Yes. Um, I was a pretty bad um, victim of this, and I definitely had tournaments that suffered from it in Player's Cup too. Um, so learn from my mistakes. Don't rage queue. And you'll be a much happier, <laughs> much happier tag team listener. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and also, I, I mean, uh, you know, too, we've been talking about how to be successful. Uh, just just maybe to, to wrap it all up is like, if you're not successful, that's OK. You know, I, you know, I, I didn't make the second stage of Players Cup 2. And uh, and I own up to that. I mean, that's, you know, it's it's not part of who you are. Now. What's that? It's part of who you are now. <laughs> It's part of who I am. No, no, no. I actually am going to say the opposite. I'm going to say your Players <laughs> Cup 3 performance is, is not a representation of you. So, yeah. uh, you know, if you perform well, you know, it, you know, uh, don't don't 
let it go to your head. And then if you perform poorly, just again, remember, you are not your performance in this in this tournament. And that goes for a lot of other things beyond Pokemon. But just for players come three, just just go ahead and think uh, think that way where it's like separate yourself from the game and it'll be less anxiety inducing for sure. Absolutely. I would say building off of that, like make sure you're having fun the whole way. If it's not an experience, it's gratifying. Don't force yourself into it. Um, you know, why, why grind for something that you won't make you happy at the end of the day? Um, so keep your, keep your attitude positive, play the best you can learn from your mistakes when you lose and learn from the games themselves. When you win, there's still plenty that you can reflect on. Um, don't let it, the Players' Cup, either way, define you as a player. It's just another tournament at the end of the day. Definitely. And with that, I think that's a perfect sentimental note to bring us to a close here today. Um, we all always appreciate your listenership and support. Uh, you guys really make the wheels turn here, and uh, you're what keeps us going. So yeah. if you're listening on a podcasting platform, you know the you know the thing. You gotta rate and review. We please, really please. really appreciate I'm begging it. You. <laughs> JW I'm is begging. literally begging. <laughs> Make sure you check out Full Grip Games and FullGripCodes.com for all of your Pokemon needs. Uh, we're gonna have all sorts of new things stocking up soon uh, with the new packs coming out. So be on the lookout for those and. Make sure to follow us on our social media platforms, guys. We have Tag Team Pokemon on Twitter. We have Real John Walter on Twitter. We have Smiles of Riles on Twitter. And we have Flex Daddy Righteous on Twitch and YouTube. What are you doing? Just get following. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, come join and be a part of the community. Come join and be a part of the discussion, some of the best uh, PTCG discussion around. We love you guys. We appreciate you always. And we will catch you next week. Peace. See ya.